Welcome to P3 Radio. The monkey only dances as good as the guy grinding the organ handle. Brada, brada, brada. I fly, bro. That is never stopping. Truck goes to the white. Cool story, bro. Footy pajamas. Hey, genius, it's, three, it's 2 p.m. Central. PG3 Radio. Here's your host, Josh Freddy. Get him off big, Freddy. <laughs> Get him off big. Richard Mulliken. And as I put you down, my pants ripped. <laughs> it's showtime! It's showtime! It's showtime! Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of P3 Radio. I'm Richard Mulliken, joined by my co-host... Which in Spanish for... And best friend, Josh Brawley. Say hey, Josh. Richard, I didn't even hear what the fuck that said. <laughs> we'll play it back here in just a second, Josh. Episode 138. It's 138 special. And I have I a like, whole... I like it. Whole, <laughs> whole list of topics we could talk about today. Do we? Uh, we well, I did. <laughs> you had three. <laughs> you got like eight shitty things. <laughs> oh, come on now. We got some good things here. We'll, we'll let the <laughs> These are just random thoughts that I have in my head. <laughs> like, you know, like, I wonder if you could chocolatize a fart. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I remember I wrote down so many things like on my notes that said stuff like, uh, the worst basketball <laughs> name ever, Grandmama. <laughs> Who had the better hose? <laughs> Hacksaw Jim Duggan or the Godfather? <laughs> it's just stupid things that come to my head all the time. Make memes, not subjects. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> but anyways, episode 138, Josh. Uh, just so everyone knows, we're still under the blood oat evacuation crisis, I guess is what you could call it. Uh, Are they evacuating the city? Well, not evacuation. Or? I guess quarantine. I'm saying, am I sticking around for something I shouldn't be? So this is what I said, Josh. My co-host, also known as Coño Principe, which in English from Spanish means Pussy Prince. <laughs> Pussy Prince. Uh, I don't know why I turned up the microphones for that. Here we go. Pussy Prince. Do you want to hear the Spanish version again? Coño principe. Coño principe. Coño. I know what Pinocha means. Coño principe. I like it. All right, so that didn't work out as well as I thought. You had an intro thing. Go ahead. (laughs) No, the reason why I did that intro was because uh, I wasted a good eight hours this weekend watching this damn tiger documentary. I think a lot of people watched it this weekend. I think people are root are hyping this up more because it was during a quarantine. It's it's kind of crazy, a little bit. Let's be honest. People want to poke fun at the lead character because he's so animated and everything. He is a meme. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how he's went under the radar for this long with that presidential thing and governor and all that. Well, it's because no one wanted to pay attention to him because there was no quarantine. <laughs> oh yeah, but dude, I mean, let's be I'll honest. Be, I'll I'll be honest. Okay, I bought into it because it's fucking hilarious. I mean, his life is a goddamn train wreck and it, it's pretty sad like to to get so much humor out of it, I guess, on the grand scheme of things, but he's a fucking looney tune, well, man. Well, that you don't think he really does care about anything or anybody but himself. Oh, yeah. And I mean, pe- people like that are extremely 
I don't know, interesting because yeah. he's so bought into his own shit. And everybody knows he's full of shit, but it's like just watching him be so into his own shit, it's it's a show in itself. I guess that's and, why Cartman is so popular on South Park. Right. He's a piece of shit. Yeah. But he is the main deal because he's a fucking train wreck. And everybody attached to this guy yeah. was equally a train wreck in their own regard. You he kind of he kind of R. Kelly groomed him to be. <laughs> yeah, it's wreck. really fucking weird. But we'll we'll talk if you're wanting to talk about this uh, Tiger King thing in detail, then we can get into details yeah, we, later on in. We will. I mean, I just like I said, I I, I figured like like I've watched a lot of documentaries this week because mm-hmm. I'm a documentary buff. I don't know if you knew that about me. I like watching how it's made and like I've watched I watched a movie this week uh, called. Um, uh, I will yesterday. It was a documentary called "The Movies That Made Us." It's on Netflix. Yeah, and it comes from the toys that made us. If you ever seen that, that's a really fun show. But the movies that made us, I've watched Die Hard, uh, Home Alone, and Dirty Dancing. Mm. And Dirty Dancing was actually pretty intriguing. It was written, and they didn't think they were going to get it passed. And and why are you looking away like that? So I, I'm still hung up on how it's went. So you watch how toothpaste is made and get a kick out of that. I didn't say but how Tiger toothpaste. King is not interesting at all. You're like, oh, wasted eight hours, dude. Well, no, it no, wasn't no. that bad. I mean, well, I think you screwed it up for me because your text message when I was watching the first of it, and I, I actually said this to you. I said, first episode, I was like, I would love to show this guy to your dad and just watch his head explode. <laughs> and it would. Like, do what now? <laughs> I'll get my dick out and whip this boy to death with it. Oh, no, he'll like that, sir. <laughs> but, no, I mean, that's the thing, man. It's like um, after watching the <laughs> – don't do that. After watching the Benoit documentary uh, this past week, it takes a lot more crazy – to just kind of like go, oh my god! Then this this guy that's kind of out there, that's colorful, that's um, almost a, a ver like a, you know how when you clone something, like in those movies, they clone something, the clones keep getting dumber. Yeah, it's like somebody cloned uh, Enzo Amore uh, from, <laughs> but like <laughs> but instead he of tigers, <laughs> like instead of being from New Jersey, they yeah. put him like in Florida, which is yeah. fucking bad. Yeah, it's like you don't want to mix those two gene lines, <laughs> but uh. But no, it's like it's kind of like somebody mixed those two pools, and it's like. But, but you're then not, you, then you're you not watch... looking at the whole story, though. You had a bit of Donnie Brasco yeah. mixed with a fucking uh, 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 indie wrestler right. mixed with fucking. I mean, because you know. Well, I mean, I told BT I was like, because he was like, I'm trying to figure out this guy's connection to the wrestling. He's business. got like eight million pictures with wrestlers. Yeah. He was going to wrestling events and shit. Yeah, because there's big pretty man there. Yeah. My thing was. <laughs> this is the wrestling business. Replace tigers for grown men and their tigers. You yeah. need to tell, like, and I put this out on Facebook, and, uh, you know, your cousin who's getting the truck actually responded. Mm-hmm. And I said something about, you know, you know, these, are, these aren't as bad as wrestling stories that I've heard. I was like, no. and then and Dwayne was like, hey, I, I mean, I'm telling you this, I haven't watched that documentary, but there's no wrestling story that's, this is not any better than any wrestling story. He was just basically going with me. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying the documentary was bad. I just, there have been other shocking documentaries that I have seen um, that I was just like, uh, okay, that, that is, uh, you know, that's, it's, it's mild. I mean, it's entertaining. I'm not saying it's not good. It's a good documentary. 
I just I, I guess maybe you took the approach like I take the approach of AEW. Yeah. I might enjoy some of the shit, but I'm going to tell you what I'm shitting on. Yeah. You kind of took that. Approach. Yeah, I mean, I, a little bit too. I was expecting this big shock ending because I, I think was it was because everybody pumped you up. Yeah, you, you seen all this shit all week. You didn't watch yeah. it, and you were expecting like there to be a live blowjob with a meth pipe sticking <laughs> out of the end of one of their assholes. How did how did they get it in there like that? <laughs> how is he smoking it out of his ass? How, how is he, that even possible? He's not even singeing a hair. And the tiger's hitting it. God damn, <laughs> this is weird. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess if you build something up so much, like because face. Facebook built this up tremendously. It was like Tiger King, Tiger King, Tiger King. I was like, all right, I got to see what this is. And if you look at somebody at every day and you go, this is the greatest shit ever. Yeah. <laughs> there's nothing that you can do to live up to that. Right. I mean, I mean, that's, that's just it. You know, I was like, I feel the same way about like some Marvel movies and stuff. Right. You know, I tried to watch like the Avengers, uh, I guess whatever the first one was, just try right. to buy into it. And, I was playing on my phone within 20 minutes. They're slow. And unless you got that, like when the X-Men shit was big, right, dude, I was bought in. I went to the movies to see the first one when I was a kid and I just kept watching as they released them, you know, till like what? Oh five or some shit. And I was extremely into it, but, Technology kinda, and everything has changed now. The to shark where, a little bit too. Well, yeah. And then they wanted to start making them again, which that's fine. But right. now, Man, I think um, I'm I'm going off on a limb here, but I think like you know just having everything at your disposal for your attention span, mm-hmm. I think that makes it extremely hard for me to buy into a movie unless it's just completely grabbing your attention immediately. Right. You know what I mean? Well, murder docs and shit like that, I can buy in because they kind of build and build and build. Right. To where if it's but if it's something really slow, for like twenty thirty minutes. Yeah. You know. Well, I mean, I'll tell you this much, and I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and tell you guys this: if you're listening to this now and you haven't watched Tiger King, there are gonna be spoilers in this, so just be aware. Um, you might want to turn this off and listen to it after you've watched Tiger King. Uh, but anyways, you know, we watched that Benoit documentary, and you haven't seen the whole thing yet. So I, I haven't seen part it. two, but you know, but dude, like dude, I said, I wasn't. I wasn't too impressed with the first one. I was. See, I was blown away by it. You said, you did mention, though, that there was a, a couple of things that you didn't know about. Yeah. But I heard about it. So Everybody did. Anybody who yeah. was a wrestling fan heard about that shit so much as it was happening. And, yeah. you know, I feel like I already know everything. Right. And and there, there, were, there were a lot of things I knew. But I think they wrapped it up in a way that it was like, okay, I didn't know that. But they make it interesting. Like they actually have the nine one one call for the wellness check, the welfare check. Like I've never heard that before. You know what I mean? So there's some other things in the second. We won't spoil that one for you. But dude, I just I just remember me and my wife were sitting there kind of tearing up at David Benoit. You know what I mean? His older son. Yeah. Like who lost almost everybody in his life. You know what I mean? It's like, dang, you know, that was what hurt us. He was like, that guy has the heart like it is the hardest thing ever to try to make it in the professional wrestling business. It's like football, basketball. It's trying to make it in a professional sport. And people go, oh, they're just play fight. And you go try to do it and make it look right. You know what I mean? It's like there's people that want to downplay this. It's like there's NFL athletes, top caliber athletes that cannot do this shit because it takes a certain skill. It's a different art form. I mean, but they don't have the last name Benoit and they don't look like that's a the serial biggest murderer. Thing. Or I mean, not you, a serial murderer, you, but. 
a murderer. You, you look like a carbon copy of your dad. Like yeah. carbon copy of early Chris Benoit. You mean I won't like, go under the hood, brother. Yeah, I mean that was what I was telling my wife. I was like, I've watched Chris Benoit since like he was on Slamboree '93 or something like. You know, he'd always they'd always had it those was a Super Brawl. Uh, what? Well, I might have not have had that one on tape, but I remember seeing him on Slamboree where him and uh, him and Bobby Eaton wrestled uh, Scorpio and uh, yeah, Marcus Bagwell, yeah, and, yeah. and Scorpio missed time the rolling tumbleweed and set face Crushed bird his on his fucking face. head. Yeah. yeah, and I remember telling my wife, I was like, the first time I saw him was like these clips that WCW would show for like Jushin Liger and all these people from New Japan. Well, they would you always had Japan have... Super Show 3 on tape, though, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, he was on that, He too. was on that. You've seen him so on that. So I've seen him a lot since, like, probably 92, 93. Yeah. I've seen a lot of him. And I was like, I just remember, like, when they showed him in, like, 96, it's like, oh, this is I, was like, I already know who Chris Benoit is. I've been watching him three or four years now. He's just gassed up now. <laughs> but he looked exactly like David Benoit. So I felt yeah. so bad for that kid because it's like, man. And he wants to be a wrestler. Yeah. And I mean, I tell you what, I, I came away from this this whole documentary with a newfound respect for Chris uh, Chris Jericho and uh, and Chavo. Chris Jericho and Chavo are the two like mentors of this kid, and I feel like so much, you know, like yeah. man, those are good guys, you know. But anyways, back to the king of the felines here, <laughs> Pussy King. <laughs> I've been coming up with metaphors all day. Uh, like the whole, you know, I've been coming up with like just trying to get metaphors and similes and all that together. And uh, I told you I've overprepared for this because I'll sit down at night and I'll think. I do my best thinking at night, Josh. I do my best thinking about four in the morning. Yeah. Like I woke up. Well, not four in the morning. Like I maybe put this in a burrito. <laughs> maybe whenever I, I, I just wake up. Yeah. Like maybe five. And then you take like that, that morning piss and it's like, as oh, I'm taking goes. a dump. Dude, I'm like, I'm all on my phone just thinking away. Just writing stuff down, and then it's porn. <laughs> <laughs> ain't got no time for that. <laughs> I got all these golden ideas, and then all of a sudden I start thinking about big titty bitches, and I got to get them out. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like, what in the hell was I thinking about again? Oh, well. <laughs> Something about a shoehorn. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Milf porn. <laughs> Shoehorn milk porn all rhymes. <laughs> oh man, but no. So, uh, Josh, let's go through these cast of characters. We'll tell people about who they are, kind of give our synopsis of the story, our long and short of it. We'll see how it goes. If it goes long, it goes long. If it doesn't, you know, we'll get into something else. You know, just like a gangbang. Yeah. <laughs> see how it goes. Sometimes you don't have the stamina, you know. You know, long or short. But you're there and all Somebody's those, getting poked. All those men are there for you, Josh. And <laughs> <laughs> HR doesn't work during quarantine, do they? <laughs> oh, we can't talk about sex stuff. You'd be pulled in the office, Richard. Yeah. All right, so uh, this all right, so Josh, this documentary revolves around. Let's be broad about it. This documentary revolves around the training of large cats. Not necessarily the training of large well, cats. The market, Private, privately owned zoos, and, and the, the big them. cat yeah. market. Yeah, like the buying and trading of big cats. So this this movie does start off by telling you there are more cats, big cats like lions, tigers, that are in captivity. Then are in the natural wild. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when we talked about uh, Ezekiel Elliott's dad in Ohio 
owning some kind of. I don't know whose fucking links that is. <laughs> yeah. But you got a receipt where you bought a links like a month ago. Where's yours? It's what? put up. You can't see him either. <laughs> He's in the basement. He don't like people. You gonna mess him up? I'll take a picture of him. <laughs> he comes out with like yeah. a National Geographic picture cut out of the. <laughs> there he is. Got a fucking like hair dryer ad on the back yeah. of it. <laughs> Uh, but so this this movie basically revolves around this one guy named uh, Joe Exotic, and uh, do you want to take a stab at his real? How do you say his real first? His real last name, Josh? Well, I can even spell it here for you. No, it doesn't say it under his name. It says it under his parents' name on this character list. So let me pull that up. Da, 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 da. There's a lot of characters bah, bah, here. Bah, bah. There, there we, we go. go. Shrivebogle. Shrivebogle. Yeah, Shrivebogle, Shrivebogle, Shrivebogle. It's Joe Shrivebogle. It's actually Maldonado now. Yeah. So he changed his name. Or whatever that, never mind. We'll get to it. Yeah. So he changed his name to Joe Exotic. Uh, it's kind of like one of those uh, ways of getting around people not being able to pronounce his last name and yada, yada, yada. <laughs> so Joe Exotic is, a. Uh, this is what he said, a gun-toting gay polygamist that trains cats or that that has a, a private zoo yeah not really even training them oh he trains them trains them all right <laughs> <laughs> whoops uh, everything else <laughs> yeah so he's the main character in this whole thing and josh you want to add anything there that i might have missed he al- he also has a tv show this guy well pretty much how he started was uh, he 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 broke his back or something in an accident, and he was rehabbing in Florida. And somebody close to him, or or whoever he was uh, staying with at that time, had like a tiger cub, or, or they were around it or something. I can't really remember that part of it. Yeah. But he got the love for the 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 tiger, you know, in that time. And he, I, I guess whoever he was around gave him the plug and he, he got him a few or whatever. And eventually he purchased some land out in Oklahoma and he just kept buying and buying and buying more right. tigers and eventually incorporated fucking chimpanzees and uh, alligators and crocs and shit. And he, yeah. he eventually built a insanely large privately owned zoo. And we have one of those privately owned zoo type things uh, maybe 30 miles from here. Yeah. Which uh, I don't think they have like tigers and shit, but they have ostriches and giraffes and bullshit like that. So we pulled the character list from a site called Distractify, and it says the man, the myth, the legend, Joe Exotic, is the subject of Tiger King, Murder, Mayhem, and Madness on Netflix, and the central point of a tangled web of characters that include animal activist Carol Baskin, her missing husband, Don Lewis, and his band of misfits at the GW Zoo in Oklahoma. All right, so we're going to start off first. There was a guy that was wanting to make a documentary about Joe Exotic. He saw the, the the light at the end of the tunnel before anybody else. His name was Rick Kirkman. And Rick Kirkman, Josh, how would you describe him? Well, let's let's go before, though. Okay. Let's, let's go right before Rick Kirkman shows up. Right. Where I was going with um, explaining who Joe was was he he bought he he made the humongous GW Zoo all the animals and whatnot but he was trying to to get famous it seemed because he had an internet show he was grasping onto social media in its infancy you know and he would have um, like Facebook shows and stuff like that right. and I think he had a daily show 
either he I think he had YouTube shows yeah. and then a Facebook show that he would put out too. And he would do all kind of crazy, seemingly like public broadcast bullshit. He would shoot mannequins of this Carol Baskin character and all that. <laughs> and just act a fucking fool. Well, I guess that got the attention of some big wigs because right. I mean Joe got a little bit of attention. Well, Rick Kirkman he he's he's done a lot of shit like a uh, investigative reporter. He's made a bunch of different you know movies and right. stuff. But he worked for Inside Edition and shit. And uh, he's he's made television shows too. So Joe figured if he hired Rick Kirkman, he w- he would instantly be famous because yeah. he had had so much um, experience. And Rick's idea was, I'll make a reality show. Yes, but. He wanted to just produce the internet show and bullshit first. That way he can get the feel. No, no, of no, no. Joe made him do the internet show if he was going to do a reality show. Right, right, so, right. But yeah, he, so. he started producing that internet show. Yes. Kind of took it over. Yeah, and it looked like it had huge graphics and like yeah. it looked like it took a, a bump up after Rick took it over. So, But Rick, I want to tell you something. <laughs> Rick Kirkman. He talks just like this. Kind of like really Mr. Howell from Gilligan's poking Island. Poking out his goddamn bottom teeth <laughs> and smokes cigarettes on film. <laughs> kind of weird now, don't you think? Yeah, so Rick Kirkman, he, he produces the show, the web series, and then he goes and he does this documentary. Well, about, I don't know, six months or so or a year into his filming, all of a sudden the studio that they have burns down. <laughs> With all of the footage in it, which we'll get to in a little bit. Yeah, but he the the big thing about that was there was no backups. Yeah, there was no backups. There was no nothing. All of these, all of this, these months and months and months of work <laughs> down the tube. <laughs> so where did he go then? He went into what? I don't know. They say he got in a car and drove away. But <laughs> was, we'll get into that I was, later. I was hoping you'd say something about a depression, but that's fun. No, I don't think he was depressed about it. I think he was done. I got the well. We'll get. Well, into Joe kind of told him, said, "I can do this without you. I can film yeah. my own self without you." Which he was doing a pretty good job of filming everything, anyways. Yeah, and and that's the thing. The Rick Kirkman guy, he was filming everything. Like like Rick said, he thought maybe that somebody else burnt the film because they knew that's where the films were and right. all that. But he said that they thought that he did. Somebody did burn it up because Joe was going to be going through some legal trouble. Yes, and he well, said, "I filmed Joe. I filmed everything. Yeah, the good side, the, the bad, bad side, side yes. everything. I filmed everything." So, do we want to get into it now and just say what happened? So, so Joe actually went to his lawyer and was. They had like video, cell phone video, not showing his lawyer. It was just Joe talking to his lawyer, and he actually says. He's been filming me for a while, and he's like, so is there any more copies out there? And he's like, no, it's all in the studio. And he's like, you see what I mean? <laughs> why do they need you? Yeah, no, 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 no. They, he, the lawyer says, why do they need you right. if they've already filmed the show? Right. I think the lawyer was kind of roundabout saying, if it burns down, <laughs> you don't have... You know what I mean? That was yeah. what I gathered out of it. Well, yeah. If it burns down, then you've all the evidence is gone. I, that was what I took from it. I didn't take from it that the lawyer was telling him if they've already got all the footage, why do they need you? I think this was he a, literally said that though. Yeah, but I think I think the thing you didn't see was what was what the lawyer was doing was maybe holding up a lighter or something. You don't know, <laughs> but you know you got to think that he was kind of advised because what 
two weeks later, Joe's out of town to visit a fu- for a funeral. Motherfucker the, never goes anywhere. And then the place burns down. Right. So I think he burned his own stuff, especially when you find out later what was to be found out. Killed but, a shitload of crocodiles or alligators <laughs> yeah, in the process. Own, yeah. Um, so you'll find out that when you train wildlife, you can pretty much, or when you have these zoos, you can pretty much take anybody that's addicted to just about anything and make them work for you for like 12 hours a day for like 30 bucks a day. <laughs> like I smoke a joint with you. Yeah. I mean, so all of these people Joe has under staff, there was one female on his staff and her name was Kelsey. I guess that's Saf Safari. Safari. And uh, her, they call her Saf. She was pretty interesting at the first, the first episode. Yeah. Cause they only showed her from like the, the shoulders up. And then you find out that there was an accident, Josh. Indeed there was. And you know, it's, it's the thing that they say about playing with fire. You play with fire. Eventually you're going to get burnt. You know, you got a pet snake. There's no way around it. You're going to get bit. <laughs> and guess what? Same applies for a pet tiger. Well, she apparently stuck her arm through the, the cage and the tiger grabbed it. And it wasn't the tiger's teeth that messed it up. They said it was the fence that was just shredding her skin because the tiger was pulling it back and forth. Right. So they get they get a message one day and they go, the arm's completely gone. Her arm was still there. They tell her, you can either, A, we'll go ahead and get you into surgery and you'll have some reconstruction surgery. It's going to probably take two years to get it back to where it is. Or we can amputate. And her choice was to amputate. What a dumbass. I, I don't uh, know. You know, whatever. Maybe she knew she wasn't going to be strong enough. Maybe she knew she'd get a disability check from that point on for the rest of her life. Or maybe she was just thinking, well, I don't want to have, I don't have the money to go through all the rehabilitation surgeries. Well, you could you damn sure I mean? try to get a GoFundMe to do it. I don't know. Yeah. I'd rather just try then, and then amputate down the road. Instead of just, well, yeah, cut the motherfucker off. Yeah, which led to Joe Exotics. You know, we talked about him not caring about anybody. One of my lines of the show, (laughs) they show him back in the gift shop, and he's like, I'll never financially recover from this. (laughs) It's like, you're worried about your finances. This woman just lost her arm. I'd be so, like, grief-stricken. I'd probably want to shut my zoo down and start doing anything. If You know what I mean? No, what does he do? Joe walks into the damn gift shop as a tour is amassing and literally tells all of his paying customers, yeah, I'm just going to tell you this before anybody else tells you. You're probably going to find out anyways. One of our workers' arm was torn off by a tiger today. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go pet some cubs, huh? <laughs> well, he actually, to his credit, he does say, hey, you can get your money back or we'll give you yeah, a rain check. Yeah, he did. Which is a great business move. <laughs> we got to go kill that tiger that attacked the woman. <laughs> I swear it won't happen to y'all when you come back. <laughs> so the funny thing about Saf is she was back to work after having her arm ripped off. In one week, I think it was. <laughs> it's like three weeks or something. Yeah, but still, three weeks for an arm ripping off? You would think that it's not even healed enough to the point of you can go out and be doing outside work. Right. Shoveling tiger shit and whatnot. Because infection. Yeah. You got you got your arm torn off. That's one of the biggest wounds you can and, probably and have. let's say this. Let's say this, too. And I'm not saying this to be gross or sick or anything like that, Josh. What did tigers eat? When they were feeding them, they were handing them what? Big meat, hocks of big meat of, that were still bleeding. Yeah. 
you know, if you if they see that arm, they're going, oh, they brought something. A She's toy. holding it under her arm. <laughs> no, that's her arm. You ripped it off. Um, so she, yeah, she was back to work. Oh no, no, just five days after her amputation, Josh. God damn. Just five days, dude. I've had operations where I've been off work for longer than five. I had my eyes. I had LASIK, and I was off work two days because <laughs> I couldn't open my eyes. But still, five days after somebody takes your arm off and you're back to work. And she did this because she didn't want the zoo to close down or anybody to think it was dangerous. Right. That's commitment, man. It is. Heart of gold, man. So, I, I would If I was an uh, employer... And I had a business, I'd want a hundred of them just like that. <laughs> Seriously. She'll 50 fuck, good arms, right? <laughs> she will do She will do whatever she has to do to keep things rolling. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, you realize how much money she's making days. Like, ah, it's not worth it, but. Yeah, I think she was bought into the, she was drinking the Kool-Aid of yeah. Joe. These things, all of these animal shelters, by the way, come off very cultish, right? That's what we were talking about before um, we started recording. Yeah. You know, I told you as soon as I sat down, well, I took away this from the, the documentary more than anything. If you get enough tiger cubs, you can do pretty much anything with anybody you want to. Right. <laughs> like, you can either <laughs> male, make, female. Yeah, it whatever. don't matter. As long as you got cubs and drugs. <laughs> Paying what you think's fair. $30 a day, that's good. Cubs and drugs, I baby. I think one of the most disgusting things about this whole thing was Joe Exotic talks about how they feed the animals. And it would be like if somebody hit a deer, yeah. if somebody killed a cow, or if a cow died, they just feed them Walmart, the old dead. expired That was where truck. I was getting to. So Walmart has a truck, and Joe Exotic says, when you go to Walmart and you go pick out like a beef cutlet and you get to the, the checkout and you can't pay for it, it can't go back to the fridge. So it goes to a bin, and that's where we get all our meat. <laughs> so they get expired meat. Meat that, you know, they can't legally sell at Walmart. Stuff that's been out of the refrigerator for a little while. Right. Uh, and the staffers were eating off of this. They were picking it, getting what they want. Yeah. And then feeding it to the tigers. That's so And then they opened a pizza shop later where they were using the expired meat on the pizza. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. That is so fucking podunk, dude. Yeah. God uh, damn, man. So we're going to get to the main uh, antagonist right now for Joe Exotic. It's uh, a woman by the name of Carol Baskin, also known as that bitch Carol, <laughs> in this document or in this show. And Carol's the founder of Big Cat Rescue, and Big Cat Rescue is basically the same thing that Joe has uh, back at his. Only his, it's Big Cat Entertainment. Yeah, yeah. Joe has a the same kind of facility as Carol, but Carol operates with money, and she operates. <laughs> Who's with money, Richard? <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> Carol operates with money, and uh, she she basically is operating under the well. We save cats, but everything in this documentary shows you she's doing the exact same things that Joe's doing. Yeah, it's just she's got a workforce that's doing the same thing, yeah. but she doesn't supply them drugs. No, she just doesn't supply them anything. <laughs> she just lets them be around the tigers. Yeah. And yep. they feed them or something. That's it. I mean, she pays them, from what this documentary says, she pays them like 30 bucks a week or something. It's like almost like volunteer work. She said it was volunteer work. And then she basically has shirt colors. Like when you work there five years, you get like a blue shirt. <laughs> when you work there six years, you get like a turquoise or tan shirt. Like they have shirt, like almost like black belts and or yeah. belts and karate. She's running a tiger school. Yeah. And you advance the colored shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so Carol... The reason why Joe hates Carol is because Carol's trying to get everybody shut down but Carol. 
Right. But, you know, whenever you're watching the, the show, you find out, like you said, it, she's basically doing the same thing because she is, but she's telling all these senators and yeah. lawmakers. You that, need to make this illegal everywhere. Right. But she's doing the exact same thing. Yeah. And they said, uh, they showed a lot of video. She had an instructional video on, I think it was like cub petting or something. Yeah. And that's the very thing that she was spearheading to right. get shut down. <laughs> uh, but she has a lot of money, Josh. And we talked about whose money, whose Richard? money is it? So Carol Baskin was married before this to a guy named Don Lewis. And Don Lewis was worth anywhere from seven to 20 million, depending on who you listen to in the documentary. He was the type. He had money buried places and yeah. shit like that. But so, uh, this whole he, it was kind of he he seemed like everybody in this seemed like they were a creep or something. Yeah, because old Don, this son of a bitch, he meets Carol Baskin or he was Carol Lewis eventually, yeah. but he meets her when she's like fifteen or something. I think it was sixteen. Yeah, maybe something so. like and walking down already, the road, and she was already married. <laughs> Both of them had just had fights with their. Wives and husbands, by the way. Right. Carol just had a fight with her husband. Crying, and, going down a road in Florida somewhere. And Don just basically had a fight with his wife and kids, left them at home, and went out trolling for some pee. <laughs> Pulls up, harasses her. Like She said, he passes around and says something about three times on the third time. He said, I seen he had a gun in the seat. He says, I can get in the truck and holding the gun on him. He just wants somebody to talk to. That's fucking weird. Isn't man. that romantic, Josh? Ain't that so how you I got in you? and held the gun on him. <laughs> Ain't that how your, how your wife met you? That is. The first time. AK-47 <laughs> to the head. Get in. I'm going to talk to you about some shit. <laughs> I, need a, I need a shoulder to lean on. <laughs> how you feel about co-signing on a loan for me? <laughs> 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 but... So, yeah, so he leaves his wife and kids for this woman who is, what, 30 years younger than him? Oh, 20, 32 30, years, something yeah, like so that? It, uh, definitely one of those Anna Nicole Smith type marriages. Oh, yeah. Like you can see because it's like, well, you got a poor woman here. Uh, you got this guy that has millions of dollars and he likes to buy cats. Well, that's how Carol got in the cat game. She gets into it because Don likes to own these big cats. Well, Don and Carol start having a little bit of a falling out. and uh, he Now, was this going, is after many, many years of yeah. marriage, and Carol's like 20. Yeah, and he was going to Costa Rica <laughs> all the time and trying to get people to go to Costa Rica. And then he was leaving notes to people saying, hey, if something happens to me, Carol did it. Right. Like, so he finally tells some friends and some lawyers that he is uh, going to go through and get a divorce. And then Don comes up missing, <laughs> and nobody knows where he is. It's and like a game of Where's Waldo. We just we can't find him. We don't know what happened, but we got a bunch of goddamn man eaters <laughs> roaming around here. He huh. also liked to fly airplanes, private planes. Uh, to which I don't think he had a license. No, to he didn't. Uh, he was an unlicensed <laughs> pilot. <laughs> Sometimes he'd take go tigers up there and just drop them in the fucking ocean. <laughs> no, um, they're too old to pet. <laughs> Throw them in. Throw the ass out. Cargo bay down. <laughs> and all of a sudden you got this fucking little mile square meter fucking island out in the middle of nowhere that's full of fucking tigers. Because <laughs> they swam to it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Don comes up missing. And that was that was the other thing in this is like, well, where did he go? So they actually go in the documentary and they tell you Carol basically 
gave 10% of everything Don was worth. Like not even the good stuff, not the land. Just basically 10% of whatever he was worth to the kids and the ex-wife. And she kept the other 90%. And (laughs) so she couldn't get anything out of Don because his will said, you know, his will said, well, upon my demise, my, my. Or my disappearance. No, 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 no. So the the theory is there was two wills. Oh yeah, yeah. That Don's one, yeah. Don's uh, confidant, the woman who worked for him, had them both. And then one day, Carol came in, cut the locks. The wills were gone, and all of a sudden, there was another one that came back that said, "In the case of my disappearance." Right. And the, the, the lawyer that was Don's lawyer was like, "Who, who the fuck that? does that? <laughs> who the fuck does that? <laughs> who writes in case of my disappearance?" <laughs> So basically, she set it up to where the will said, in, in case of my disappearance, um, and then after five years, it takes five years to get someone declared illegal, legally dead, according to this documentary. Look, uh, he if was you declared, ain't showed up and clocked in for work about three days, yeah, <laughs> you're dead to my employer. <laughs> yeah. So after five, uh, five years and one day, she went to the office and had him declared legally dead and inherited all the money. Ooh, she was foaming for that shit, wasn't she? I was like a five-year trust. I was like, I can't wait to tell people at Walmart I quit this shit. <laughs> <laughs> can't wait. <laughs> I'm going to have tigers like a motherfucker. Carol won't be zoning this weekend, I'll tell you that much right now. <laughs> I'm going to buy some albinas. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, so Don ends up dying and Carol inherits all this money it's just weird and nobody knows somebody said that they think maybe he got pushed out of a plane uh well I, that's the one i believe the most exotic joe swore that they i fed, guarantee yeah. you you pull up that septic tank in her backyard he's under there right i know it i mean well and it seemed like hell of a charge uh, it seemed like don lewis's lawyer yeah. That motherfucker, he said that he knew, or he implied that he knew exactly what happened. I won't go into it. Right. So maybe something's going to happen. Was he that. the one that just kind of like insinuated that he might have been pushed out of a plane? Maybe. That was the one that held the most weight for me because if the investigators aren't, if they're not looking at the septic tank or the tigers, like the one that holds the most weight is like, okay, you've got this elderly man that was pushed out of a plane in the middle of the ocean. Yeah. And what was interesting too. Around that time, Carol was trying to convince people that he had dementia. Yeah, she told the law his lawyer that, "Oh, uh, Don, he's been acting strange and blah blah blah." But the guy, the lawyer, he would say, "No, Don's." I didn't believe her because Don was acting normal and right. telling me that Carol was trying to kill him and shit. You know, I tell you, Josh, one of the most hated people in this whole documentary was Carol's new husband. Uh, I can't remember his name. I think we'll get to him. Uh, I don't think he's on here. But her new husband, Howie. Howard, Howard Baskin. Howie. Who talked like this right here. And he, he, he did you ever see Reno 911 and the Truckee River Killer, the guy that marries Trudy? He, he's, uh, he always talks like this to his, to his bottom teeth. He, he looks like the, if you were to type in cuck in the dictionary, this is what would come up. <laughs> it's kind of like, um, I don't know. He kind of looks like a redneck version of Prince Charles or no, Prince Prince Edward. Prince Charles. Prince Edward. You know? No, is it Charles? No, it's Charles. Charles. He does. Does he not? He looks. He really co- does. He looks like uh, he looks like a tiny weenie version of Prince Charles, and this is the way he talks through his bottom lip like that. <laughs> but when he fucking sang that goddamn oh. song, 
He it was like a, a 1940s crooner tune. To if Carol. I were ever to leave you in, in the spring. I could not leave you in the spring. <laughs> I could not return. And they had just poured up some champagne because they had a big victory. Yeah. Do you want to go into your thoughts on Howard Baskin? Uh, What do you mean? Like, what was your first impression? Was he not one of the most hateable people? Like, even though he did nothing wrong, literally. Well, no, he he just, like you said, he, he kind of reminded me of Prince Charles. But he seemed like the type to where he was so snooty. Snooty like, oh, I'll bleed you for every goddamn penny that right. you got. It's, it was just that, that, that attitude that he had. And everything was like, well... Obviously, we're gonna have to sue the shit out of him. That right. was like uh, Howie's answer to everything. Was lawsuits? Now, you know, we're not um, we're not much of businessmen ourselves, right? But <laughs> that may be the way everybody acts in the real world. I don't know, but I, I try not to 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 do stuff like that unless the it's absolutely. You know, that's the only option. Yeah, I mean, sometimes take it lawsuits. To, you know, take it to court with a lawsuit, blah, blah, blah. But he just seemed like a, a little snarky motherfucking businessman who worked himself into a goddamn fortune <laughs> with Carol. Well, I wanted to pull something And up, you already but... know she's got an older man fetish because, goddamn, her first husband was like 30 years older than her. And Howie, he's probably 20. So yeah, I mean, there was everything that was hateable about was was about this guy, him and another guy that we're going to get into in just a minute, Josh. Uh, we don't really have a lot of time here to talk about everybody. And I was trying to pull up this YouTube page. He actually he has a YouTube page. Uh, <laughs> uh, we won't get into it. He was he was just very hateable. If you watch the show, you'll find him one of the most hateable uh, figures in this whole show. Uh, but moving right along from Howard, were uh, one of one of Joe's wives, our husbands. Sorry, <laughs> one of Joe. It was the other guy that had all the wives. Joe had two husbands, three by the time the documentary was over. Uh, his first husband he met. His name was John Finley. John Finley. Uh, he met him when he was 19 years old and married him for 11 years. And they go into this documentary to basically say everyone was on meth and. None of the guys he married was gay. Yeah, that that's what they say. Both both of his husbands, except for the very last one, who was admittingly yeah. he was homosexual and yeah. you know, he was young too, but he was a gay man to where the first two were like you said, right. probably just meth heads and you know, he was like I got tigers and meth. <laughs> Come you on, get down. in the van. Come on, come, come on, get in the van. He, he went, yeah, he didn't have the ice cream truck, you know, the private <laughs> ice cream truck. <laughs> he had goddamn Coke and Tigers or meth and Tigers. Oh man! So, uh, John had a tattoo. Josh, John's got a lot of tattoos. Richard, he's yeah. the only man that I've ever seen have a rebel flag tattoo on one arm, uh-huh. and then a tribute to his husband tattoo pointing and it says it's right over his dick because he pulls uh, the front of his pants down to show the camera on one of the shots yeah it says privately owned by exotic or joe, joe exotic, exotic. <laughs> like right above his crotch dude and then he's got that big rebel flag tattoo if meth ever had um an advertisement 
this would be it, wouldn't it? <laughs> like if, it, if if you could buy meth, like, like by it is so pack, yeah, like a cigarette, yeah. Like they would ha- they would be on the front of the pack it, instead the, of the the Marlboro Man, it would be the Tiger King, right? For those <laughs> for those that do meth, smoke Tiger King. <laughs> for those that do meth, I can imagine that this drug is such the bee's knees <laughs> that it will make you uh, do things against your sexual orientation. <laughs> And then permanently scar your body to to profess your your undying love to the person that is supplying your drug. And buying you trucks. Yeah, and you'll also work uh, 75 hours a, hours a week <laughs> <laughs> with he dangerous pays, man killers. He pretty much pays me in meth and uh, <laughs> like four-wheelers. Yeah. You know? I don't know if there's anything on this earth strong enough to make me want to do either one of those things. I mean, uh, you know, like I said, there's nothing... Like if Chipper Jones came to you and said, Hey, you want to do bad in practice with the Braves every day? <laughs> You'd be you starting pitcher. you in the ass. <laughs> You'll be starting pitcher. You got to live with me. I'll give you four wheels. <laughs> <laughs> Chipper! <laughs> well, look. Mr. Jones, oh. when do I start? <laughs> no. Um, you can start right now, Josh. Yep. <laughs> No, no. The only way that would happen is if it was like Greg Maddox. Yeah, I was gonna say, what would it take for you? <laughs> You're in the rotation, guaranteed at least four pitches a game. <laughs> What's it going to take? Greg Maddox. I guess at that Greg point, Maddox is. I got a nice house in Chicago. Does Ted Turner on still own, own the Braves? No. Who owns the Braves now? I don't know. Okay, be honest so with whoever you. the so somebody could really trick Josh and say they own the Braves. <laughs> I mean, it's a quick look here. It's a quick Google away. <laughs> Greg told me I could be starting pitcher, and he just up and leaves town. <laughs> <laughs> no, there, there's nothing that could make me compromise my morality. The only thing is like saving a kid's life or something. Yeah, you know. But it damn sure wouldn't be drugs and trucks. So you're saying if somebody took a kid hostage, you'd do totally what this guy did. <laughs> If it was like one of my kids. Okay. My kid? Man, I don't know if I can take one of them. <laughs> Can't take one for the team on this one? He don't want me. I'm fat and bald, Josh. You have that pretty hair. <laughs> no. Okay. All right. Well, I guess I'll let Penny know that she's screwed and Uncle Josh ain't got her back. Um, Just so tell ne- her never to go to the Middle East. <laughs> or towards anywhere towards Oklahoma, Ohio, the Carolinas, they're not, they're not capturing people like, <laughs> but are they Josh and stuff? Are they? Let's get to our next character, the Doc Antel. Doc uh, Antel, and his name is Doctor. How do you say that? Bagavan. I don't know, but it means Bagavan. Lord in whatever yeah, language. It, it means it is. Lord in whatever language it's in. He has been on like Jay Leno. Uh, he's been on um, what's the other Tonight Show? Um, all the Tonight Shows, this Letterman. guy, Letterman, he was bringing uh, people from tigers and animals and all these exotic animals to murder. Kind of like Jack Hanna, but with, like, pussy. Yeah. Like, women. <laughs> yeah. He, like, and, Jack Hanna, he probably fucks a chimpanzee. Doc Antle, he'd be laying that mac down on the pussy. He has houses for all his girlfriends, and he has, like, at least three or four girlfriends that live on his compound. And the best line one of the best lines of the show was whenever he's standing by one of his hot wives or girlfriends or whatever yeah they're holding the tiger cubs and he just looks at the camera 
gotta have pussy to get pussy. That's <laughs> <laughs> like that's my guy. <laughs> uh, and through this whole thing, but Doc, it's kind of it's kind of a cult feel though. Yeah, the doc he makes them change their names, right? And and it's like uh, he, the the doc has this kind of a. Uh, Steven Seagal type feel to him. Yeah. He's even got the ponytail. Yeah. And he's got a fucking soul patch, dude. Come on now. Who's doing a soul patch this day and age? He kind of looks like John Malkovich if he gave up and started training. Well, tigers. what I'm saying is he's he's got that vibe like a cult leader type thing to where yeah. it's my way or I'm pissed off. Yeah. And you're you know, if you, you want to play with this cat, you're gonna let me play with your cat. Yeah. <laughs> Which, uh, this whole thing, you'll find out that uh, Doc is one of the biggest supporters through this whole thing for Joe Exotic. Keep that in mind as and we Joe go Exotic, along. And Joe Exotic, he says at one point in the document, yeah, Doc Annell, he was pretty much my mentor. Yeah. So, so I mean, they're the only one. He's the only one that ever comes to Doc, uh, to Joe's aid. Doc's Doc. like, you get a few tiger cubs, buddy. You can fuck as many men as you want. <laughs> Straight. Whatever, don't matter. <laughs> uh, I'm just want to point this. We're going to go through some of these other characters kind of quickly because they're just supporting roles, really. Uh, John Rinky, uh, he was uh, he was like Joe's right hand man. Mm, he had he, he. That's what it says right here. He was one of he Joe's was Joe. Right-hand he was guys. the manager of the GW. Yeah, uh, he had John no legs. Finley was the right hand man. <laughs> The man to the right. So John, John had no legs. I did feel so sorry for him because he was so connected to the story and no one wanted to talk to him. Uh, in the documentary, they have a news reporter that's wearing this orange dress and she's talking about all the people and all the things about Joe and everything and they're showing all these old interviews and then later on they do a fake interview with John Rinky and she, you know it's fake because she's wearing the exact same thing in the interview as she's wearing for the sit-down for her interview. It's this orange dress. <laughs> so what was your feelings about Joe getting arrested? And they have this fake news graphic at the bottom and everything. It's like, oh, man, nobody wanted to talk to John. And he was probably, he thought, I was like, I'm the most intriguing person on here. And then, you know, nobody cared to talk to him, ever. You reckon it's because of his situation? or it, he, he, he just didn't have any real close. I mean, he was closely tied, but he I, wasn't I get, a character. I get, I get the feeling that he wasn't on drugs, just because of. I mean, he uh, may have. Everybody's on drugs. Yeah, <laughs> but what drugs? But yeah. you could see who was, was doing the meth. He was probably a pot guy. Yeah, I could see him smoking a joint behind the shed. But yeah, I don't think he was on meth. Uh, but one guy that I know was was Eric Crowey or Cowie, uh, who. <laughs> Eric found a job opening in the Joe in Joe's zoo on Craigslist and quickly became the head keeper. <laughs> and admittingly, Eric knew shit from motherfucking uh, Aunt Jemima syrup about tigers or whatever else. Right. Uh, another character was Barbara Bala Fisher. Uh, this is one that escaped from Doc Antel's harem of women. Uh, and she claims she never slept with him, which I'm calling bullshit. Josh. It almost seems like a movie, Escape yeah. from Doc Annals. <laughs> like an like yeah. island somewhere, yeah, like trying a... to swim back to shore. He's got tigers and bitches. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so she left, uh, she, as she says, the Doc's cult in 2007, uh, and she says she she's adamant about she never slept with him, uh, but somehow she got... Um, she was breast gifted implants. breast implants. <laughs> you know, that's like a $30,000 surgery, right. I'm thinking. I, I'm crawling bullshit on that. Although, I think we both said she was probably the prettiest one he had, right? Well. Not now, but mm-hmm. wait, wait, when she was with him. I don't know. 
He's had a bunch of bitches, man. Yeah. Um, now we get to Joe's other husband, Travis Maldonado. 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 Travis was also 19 when uh, he met Joe. And once again, not yay. He was totally straight. He. They said later on in the in the documentary that he was on meth yeah. whenever he came to the zoo. Yeah. And he he's probably just promised whatever you need, you know. And, yeah. Uh, Joe started working on it. Yeah. So he got meth. He 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 actually entered a three way dance of a marriage uh, between Joe. So Joe now had two husband and wife, two husbands. Um. And Joe was the, I mean, I'm just not Joe. Travis was the next one. Travis was from California. And the craziness about this was Travis, like I said, he wasn't gay or anything. He was on drugs and he loved guns. And And, four-wheelers. And you knew something was bad because they were interviewing all these people and all they had was video of Travis, like from when he worked there. And I kept thinking, all right, a tiger got a hold of him. A tiger got a hold of him. So... One day, Travis comes in, and they said he used to always play with people, like point guns at them and stuff. And this one guy tells him, says, hey, don't point that gun at me, dude. And he's like, oh, man, these don't fire without the clip. And he puts it to his head and pulls the trigger. And it fired and killed him. And it wasn't on video, per se. It was on security camera, but it wasn't, like, caught. It was to the bottom left of where the The camera is. So it wasn't on him. You just saw the reaction of everybody. So... Just craziness there, dude. Um, and I can't imagine being in that position where you see a guy blow his fucking brains out in front of you. Right. You know, that's it's got to be some fucked up shit in itself. All right. All right, so let's get to... We only got a few more minutes here, Josh. We've got one of the most hateable characters in this whole thing is a guy named Jeff Lowe. You know, I struggle on who I hate more. Jeff Lowe or Carol Baskin. Now, I struggle with Jeff Lowe. Or husband Baskin, Miss, Mr. Baskin. <laughs> Mr. Both, Baskin's never killed anybody. No, Richard. no, 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 no. I'm not saying that. Well, I mean, he killed he killed me with boredom, <laughs> like <laughs> and it's in song. Oh my god, <laughs> just the douchery of this guy. Like I said, he never did anything wrong. Like I, I would feel safe. Well, no, I wouldn't feel safe. I, I feel safe <laughs> hanging out with him drinking He's got fucking tigers on his property. <laughs> I wouldn't feel safe with any of these people. He'll get you a little drunk. Mm-hmm. Let's just go out mm-hmm. here and walk with him. I'm gonna go pet the tigers that Don petted before he left. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's go pet some tigers. <laughs> <laughs> so Jeff is the epitome of Mountain Dew douchebag. <laughs> is that easy enough to say, dude? He if, wears affliction shirts. Imagine probably if, smells like listen, Jeff Hardy. Imagine if two thousand six Greg Hardy. <laughs> imagine Greg if two thousand six took a shit and put it in a time capsule. Okay. Yeah. Took a shit, put it in a time capsule, and you opened it up in two thousand nineteen and made this fucking movie. That's Jeff Lowe. Yeah, I mean, once again, he's one of those that has all of these tigers and all these young girlfriends and goes to Las Vegas, was sneaking cats and into like Las Vegas hotel rooms and in his briefcase. And it was like a, a weird fucking, um, a weird like swinger type thing to where yeah. they would go to bars and pick up women on the sole purpose that they could come back to their room and pet tiger cubs. And as they're doing that, and his wife that he had was like super hot, you know, like, you know, totally fucking, you know, way above in the echelon of this little dick, little dick douchebag. 
but he's got the tigers, man. Right. And the the hot chick would help him get other hot chicks, and they would just bang around in the hotel room with tigers climbing everywhere. So remember Jeff Lowe. We're going to come back to him in just a second. Um, I want to get to uh, the other guy in this triangle of the and the um, what do you call it the uh, the high point the climax of the movie is basically Joe goes down for attempted murder or murder for hire and the third connection in this is a guy named Jeff Gerritson or Garrets Gerritson Gerritson yeah Gerritson. Jeff, James Gerritson <laughs> uh, the man responsible for Joe's eventual arrest is James who was a strip club owner. He owned strip clubs, and him and Jeff, Jeff Lowe, were both uh, partners. They were kind of being partners with Joe. Just got to get the GW Zoo back in, up and going, right? And then basically, Jeff basically took the, the zoo from Joe. So Carol won this big lawsuit, right? And Jeff, Jeff was trying to help Joe out, and he put the, the zoo in Jeff's name. So Joe was doing all this stuff to where he could just take all of his assets and put it in somebody else's name. That way, Carol couldn't get it. Right, because he lost, like Richard said, he lost a huge lawsuit, and it was ordered. He had to pay, I think it was five million dollars or some shit. So, I think it was a million, maybe. Yeah, it was mm -hmm. a, a crazy amount. I yeah. mean, he ought to had the money, but he's spending yeah. on meth and four wheelers. <laughs> so, um, three men were involved in this plot of people talking about trying to kill Carol. And I don't know how it, two of them didn't go down for murder. I, I murder for hire plot. They started working for federal prosecutors, and who said all you gotta do is tell the truth, and we'll just get Joe. So James was the one that spilled the beans on everybody. But I'll tell you what, everybody knows a guy named like James. He's one of those that's like, let me help you out. I'll, I'll get him busted. And then he gets him busted, and's like. Now you got to do something for me. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Anything like, you do in the future, I want my name and 50% attached to it. <laughs> right. Like, I helped you out. Yeah, Fuck one of those you. guys. Like, you, you remember that time? Prick. Remember that time I let you loan, I loaned you a cup of sugar? I own you now. <laughs> It'd be like, dude, showing up. But you remember that time you hid me from the law back when I was in eighth grade when you covered for me? I owe you my life, sir. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm coming to collect. <laughs> well, no, I helped him out. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, so James is like basically one of the whistleblowers. Um, we're running out of time here, Josh. Who do you want to go with next? Uh, Well, I, I mean, aside from uh, Alan, the uh, the crackhead hitman. Yeah. Who pretty much. Who he, is Jeff's right-hand man. Yeah, that's Jeff Lowe's right-hand man, his handyman. He, he'd done like handyman shit for him and whatever businesses he owned in the past and he's got a teardrop tattoo and he's been in prison for right. shit and and whatnot supposedly you know you put that on your face you're automatically telling people i have killed somebody or i want you to think i've killed somebody so as joe was having all these problems with carol baskin and uh, losing the lawsuit and if she's dead i guess i don't have to pay anything right evidently he was going around and Everybody on this show had heard uh, Joe say, I wish the bitch was dead more than one time. <laughs> right. And uh, the crackhead Allen guy, he finally said that, uh, who, the whole show, anytime a camera was in front of his face, he's like, fuck that bitch, Joe. I hate his goddamn guts. You know, just a, a guy that really hated him. And it's almost like the people that really hated Joe were the ones that got him in trouble. And, 
how can you take somebody's word from a worst enemy? You know what I mean? Right. It's like you already have this hate for this guy. So how do we know you guys aren't just lying? You know, right. and that was the thing about it. He he, he claims that Joe gave him three thousand dollars to go to Florida and kill Carol. Right. But he just spent it on coke and strippers <laughs> and, and went to South Carolina. Yeah, he just went to South Carolina. But the funny thing is, is his story does change two or three times when they finally want to get Joe nailed. He goes, "I did go to Florida." Right. And then later on, he goes, well, I went to South Carolina. It's like, well, one of those isn't true. And one of those you were under oath about, you know. So I don't think we're to the end. I think Jeff and Alan are both going to go to jail. Yeah, because that was the consensus at the end of the documentary series was this isn't over. Uh, fucking Joe ends up working with people you never, ever thought he would be working Peter. with. People, he had animal rights activists. Yes, he said, my animal career is over. So I'm go- I'm, I went down. I'm taking all these motherfuckers down with me. So not only murder for hire, but Joe I think Joe, hit. I think Joe was pissed off that nobody tried to help him. You're right. In his time of need. So Joe not only gets taken down for murder for hire, which I think was still a flimsy case against him. Yeah. They also find out he euthanized five endangered animals, <laughs> five tigers. Uh, that they got a little too old to. Well, he, this is what was asked of him directly. They yeah. said they said that you shot five tigers. They found they dug up their their bones and shit, excavated them, and they had bullet holes in their skulls or whatever. He said, "Did you do that?" He said, "I euthanized five tigers." He said, "If a tiger gets sick, it's either that or give him the shot or blah blah blah." Right. And you know. Old Joe, he's a crafty, nifty motherfucker. If he ain't got to spend a dollar, he's not going to. Right. He looked at it, I'm assuming, as... Maybe it got I sick can, off all that Walmart meat. <laughs> probably. He's, he's looking at it as, I can either spend two or three bucks on this bullet. Right. Or a hundred bucks on this death shot of all this medicine. And then... But I know, guess the legalities there are, you, you can't, can't kill, kill an endangered species. You got to try your best. <laughs> you're, you're the rehabilitation facility. You're right. the one that's supposed to get it back up. And if you're killing it, you got to do it more humane than shooting it in the skull. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So the cliffhanger on this whole thing was at the end. Joe starts working with agents, and he starts working with PETA and all these other places. And I think he's trying to cut himself a deal because he got like yeah, he what, got twenty two years, twenty two years, in and jail. he's fifty one. I think yeah, so. he's not wanting to be seventy something getting out. Yeah, and the the crazy twist about it at the very end, it says that. Doc Antle's place was raided yeah, and everything in December of 2019. So after all of this, the guy that has been the biggest supporter on this whole documentary and the one that's been so legally like, oh, you want me to say that? I can't say that. I'm not legally, I'm not legally going to tell you that I think Carol Basket killed her husband. Right. Do I think she did? Yes. <laughs> but I can't tell you like he's so like, like he's been sued before you can tell. Oh yeah. So doc is very like careful with his words and he's been so helpful. Like in this whole thing, he's had Joe's back. He's like, and at the end, basically Joe brings him down <laughs> <laughs> by proving that he sold tiger cubs, which was illegal, uh, sold him five tiger cubs. Right. And then they, he basically says, well, well, Doc's been euthanizing, putting them in uh, what is it? In senior, his own site incinerator. Yeah, and apparently the the gist was, you know, because there's only a small window of when they can be petted, right? When they're babies up until they're about six months old, and after that, they will rip your goddamn face off, right? So 
the idea was Doc Antle was taking these cubs that would get too old, and instead of having to keep them and feed them and everything else, he would just fucking throw them in the incinerator. Right. No more evidence, no more nothing. And you've always got tigers that's going to bang around and have cubs, so you still got your business. So I think at the end of this, they're pretty and much well, That's one up. thing that... I'm sorry to cut you no, off. No, go ahead. But that's one thing we didn't focus on enough, I think. This cub petting... Uh, at these zoos that is big big yeah. money these people were paying over three hundred dollars for a one-day access into most of these zoos just to pet and get their pictures taken with these cubs. right that's 300 bucks per person Ugh. that's a, i mean you got a family of five brother that's fucking 1500 bucks and there were people that they were interviewing were paying it. Yeah. that had paid it three four days in a row yeah just to come and be with the tigers it's crazy. So I definitely summing up, everybody in this was on meth. Everybody in this was <laughs> fucking each other. Uh, if you have tigers and money, you can fuck any 19-year-old, no matter what the race, walk orientation, of walk of life. Doesn't matter. If you have money, drugs, and cubs. <laughs> money, drugs, and cubs. That sounds like a rap song, Richard. Money, drugs, and cubs. You can pretty much have any hole of anybody. <laughs> You hold that soul. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think they're setting up for a part two. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, making a murderer was awesome part one. Then they, <laughs> they had to have a part two. It was right. too big. Right. This shit, it was released during the perfect time, I think. Yeah. Now, like you said, you were a little disappointed. I fucking bought into well, it. I liked the characters. And it was released during the perfect time. Yeah. it's Everybody it's, was fucking home. It's not... Uh, what's that movie that my wife talks about the doc in plain sight? Have you seen that? No, that's way crazier than this. What is it in uh, plain sight about? Uh, you can tell me off air. I'll tell you off air. Uh, it's on, it was on Netflix. I think it was so crazy that I was like, I refuse to watch this. I refuse to watch two people talk and basically exploit them being terrible people. Uh, and it had something to do with their kid. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So if you want to look at that, that's a real fucked up documentary. Um, but what I will say, Josh, is I refuse to watch that one. And that one was way worse than this one. What happened was you have a decent documentary in Tiger King, and it came out while everybody's home needing something to watch. It just filled the, filled the void of boredom. And I think that's where it got overhyped. I think what screwed me up on it was when we texted, I was on the first episode, and I told you about it, and I said, hey, you know, this would be like, I want to tell your your dad, like, hey, there's this man in Oklahoma says nobody's going to take his guns. And I said, Ray J, hell yeah. And then I said, uh, he owns a zoo where he has tigers. And he swears if anybody tries to come and take his tigers away, he's going to shoot them. Ray J, hell yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, and then I was like, he may like penis. <laughs> and you're like, well, every, and I was like, well, every man likes his penis. Well, he likes every man's penis. <laughs> and then I was like, that would be when I'd hit record <laughs> and just see your dad's head explode. Like, I don't understand this. <laughs> the, the, the stereotypes aren't matching up. It's <laughs> a little foreign to me. <laughs> yeah. But uh, as you hold your water with your pinky up. <laughs> Anyways. I, I just think they're setting up for a part two. Um, uh, there's too many people that didn't go down. 
but like you said, I was waiting for a twist ending because when I watched that first episode, I said something to you. I was like, man, this is kind of crazy. And you were like, wait till the end. No, you, you were trying to immediately say, oh, the amazing Jonathan documentary, blah, blah, blah. And it's I was still like, pretty wait good. till the end. It's still, it's still rivals. Because it. there's so much twists and turns, people fucking ruining each other's lives, testifying. And are you saying Amazing Jonathan's a uh, government agent? No, he's an asshole, though. Well, no shit. <laughs> Look at him. I didn't realize that. Until, but he's like a lovable asshole. It's like he does things and you're like, damn, that guy's an asshole. And then he does it and you're like, eh. But there's drug use. There's possibility of, well, I mean, I ain't going to How many fucked him. up tattoos and tigers did they have? Zero. <laughs> but I'm telling you, dude, if you watched it, I mean, it, it's not I'm as with long. You, it's not as long as this one. This is an eight-hour documentary. Amazing Jonathan is like an hour and 30 minutes. But I will somehow get it to you and let you watch it. It's interesting, but I'm telling you, dude, it's like you watch it and you go, what the fuck? You know, like in an hour and a half, they couldn't do what this did. But I'm telling you, if they extended out all the footage, you'd probably be like, dear God, this is Amazing Jonathan. I liked him. And I don't want to spoil it for you. You got to watch it, and we can talk about it later. But yeah, I, I think I think I was looking for that big twist ending, and I think the uh, that's why you know it's kind of like this is the greatest fucking thing ever, and you know I was like that was what I had in my head, and it I was like oh well there wasn't really a big ending, so it is what it is. I'll, I'll still say three out of five. You know it was still entertaining. It was still good. I think it's overplayed because everybody's stuck at home and needing something to watch right now. I, I have to give it since you're just gonna rate it. Yeah, I give it, man, four and a half out of five. Wow! Just because of the characters, yeah. I'm a very character-driven person, and if you're an eccentric person, or you know, just be a train wreck, be an interesting train wreck, and you got me glued, buddy. Yeah, I'm gonna say that honestly. Towards the end of this documentary, I was the only reason why I watched the rest of it so we could talk about it. Like about halfway through, I was done with it. I was like, eh, I was done, but. That's just me. You know, it was it was interesting characters, and like I said, it was in a good time, but I just wasn't really caught up in it. But I'll tell you what, Josh, we've gotten caught up in it an hour and ten minutes on this, and we need to get out of here. Josh, tell them where they can find our show, how to get a hold of us, and what we've got going on. Well, let me tell you something. They have already found our show. Okay. But if they want to find us on Twitter, we are at P3 Radio, the number one. And on Facebook, Go to that search bar, put in Pop Poncho, and you will find our profile. And if you want to get with us, text with us, fucking leave us a voicemail. We might play it on the, the show. You never know. Our phone number is 731-300-6675. That's going to do it for us. For Josh Brody, this is Richard Mulligan saying thanks for listening and good night.